Thank you. I'm mesmerized by this uh, clock. Um, <laughs> 10 minutes at 9.30 is not the usual model for a reading. Um, I'll read because I can't give you a sense of uh, the difference from book to book to book. I will read a couple of poems from my most recent collection called A Village Life. I won't pause between them. There's a sense of interrelationship, a web. First snow. Like a child, the earth's going to sleep, or so the story goes. But I'm not tired, it says. And the mother says, you may not be tired, but I'm tired. You can see it in her face. Everyone can. So the snow has to fall, sleep has to come, because the mother is sick to death of her life and needs silence. Before the storm. <laughs> I, but I wrote this years ago. <laughs> Before the storm. Rain tomorrow, but tonight the sky is clear, the stars shine. Still the rain's coming, maybe enough to drown the seeds. There's a wind from the sea pushing the clouds. Before you see them, you feel the wind. Better look at the fields now. See how they look before they're flooded. A full moon. Yesterday a sheep escaped into the woods, and not just any sheep, the ram, the whole future. If we see him again, we'll see his bones. The grass shudders a little. Maybe the wind passed through it, and the leaves of the olives shudder in the same way. Mice in the fields, where the fox hunts. Tomorrow there'll be blood in the grass. But the storm, the storm will wash it away. In one window, there's a boy sitting. He's been sent to bed too early, in his opinion. So he sits at the window. Everything is settled now. Where you are now is where you'll sleep, where you'll wake up in the morning. The mountain stands like a beacon to remind the night that the earth exists, that it mustn't be forgotten. Above the sea, the clouds form as the wind rises, dispersing them, giving them a sense of purpose. Tomorrow, the dawn won't come. The sky won't go back to being the sky of day. It will go on as night, except the stars will fade and vanish as the storm arrives, lasting perhaps 10 hours altogether. But the world as it was cannot return. One by one, the lights of the village houses dim and the mountain shines in the darkness with reflected light. No sound. Only cats scuffling in the doorways. They smell the wind. Time to make more cats. Later, they prowl the streets, 
but the smell of the wind stalks them. It's the same in the fields, confused by the smell of blood, though for now only the wind rises, stars turn the field silver. This far from the sea, and still we know these signs. The night is an open book, but the world beyond the night remains a mystery. Crossroads. My body, now that we will not be traveling together much longer, I begin to feel a new tenderness toward you, very raw and unfamiliar, like what I remember of love when I was young. Love that was so often foolish in its objectives, but never in its choices, its intensities. Too much demanded in advance, too much that could not be promised. My soul has been so fearful, so violent. Forgive its brutality. As though it were that soul, my hand moves over you cautiously, not wishing to give offense, but eager finally to achieve expression as substance. It is not the earth I will miss. It is you I will miss. 4.30. Should I stop? I'll take a few questions. Yeah. I'm so glad you technical people have questions for me. You can't know. Yeah. Louise, thank you so much for that sure. reading. My name is Aaron, I'm from Singapore, and I think I was invited here for my work in government, but I write poetry as well, and I oh, do you? go back to Meadowlands whenever I feel down um, to just get recharged. And I had two questions for you, which I think would be relevant for this group. What do you do at those moments when ideas stop coming? Oh, man. And what do you do when you feel your words don't capture enough of the nuance and color and complexity of the things you're describing? I live my life in that zone. I have a collected poems about to be published. And it's 600 and something pages long. And I look at it, and I can't understand it, because I've lived my whole life feeling that I can't write. <laughs> and so how did this uh, doorstop accumulate? <laughs> um, for me, the great discovery has been teaching. And I, I came to teaching in my late 20s, having a, a spotty career in academics because of um, neurotic problems that took me out of school when I was in high school. But I. I realized that as a teacher, I flourished, and that in periods when I couldn't write, I took my first job because I hadn't written a poem in two years. And I thought, it's not going to be my future. I'm not going to have that thing I so badly wanted, making art. Um, I discovered that rather than feeling a rivalrousness toward my students when they wrote brilliantly, I felt exhilarated. I wanted the poems that they were working on to become memorable. 
and I worked on them with the same part of my brain that would work on my own poems and the same intensity. And then the fairly relaxed, uncompromised by anxiety effort of that engagement started yielding fluency again. So I think what I do when I can't write is I, first of all, I'm a wreck. But aside from that, I just give myself as best I can to the life around me and the opportunities that present themselves. Yeah. Thank you. It's such an honor to get to hear you read some of your poems. Um, my name is Emily Jacoby, and I'm from the United States. This summer, I, I did an experiment the month of August where I read a different poem to a different friend every night using technology, so via the phone, generally sometimes via Skype. I called friends all over the world. And it was a really cool experiment. And I gained, I think, so much from it, and people said that they gained a lot from it as well. But one thing I did is, at the beginning, before I would read the poem, I asked everybody a simple question that I thought they might rebel against, I thought they might not want to answer, but they actually did answer it. And I want to ask you the same question, which is, what, to you, is poetry? I can't do that in 30 seconds. <laughs> um, it's that which haunts, but I will say, for me, poetry is not something that can be had in this sort of experience. I do not like being read to. I suppose I liked it when I was really little. I loved it, but as soon as I could read myself, I wanted to read myself. For me, the poem is alive on the page. I, this form I deplore. It seems like form of salesmanship. I do not want to hawk my wares. Um, a poem on a page makes a kind of net or web. The, the eye moves up and down the lines, um, braiding sound patterns together and seeing um, uh, intellectual correspondences. You can't get that in a reading which moves uh, chronologically, sequentially, um, complicated, nuanced um, words have to be read in a single, focused, dramatic way to move through the text. The poem is simplified, simplified, diminished in my feeling. And I don't like reading my own work, and I don't like hearing work that I love read aloud. I hear it with my eyes. So, thank you. Thank you.